Hi, it's Andy, and welcome to the Hills Church Podcast. Our hope is that this will help your life and inspire your faith. Thanks again for checking us out. I'm, I'm a slight bit technologically challenged, so I'm going to make sure my microphone is on. Can you hear me okay? Hello, Hills Church. First of all, before I do anything else, I just want to say hi. Uh, it, it's so good to see you this morning. Um, I, I just want to let you know why I'm here and why, why a crazy American that that uh, really can't, can't figure out how to drive on his own roads at home would come over to a foreign country and, and, um, and drive on your roads and, and be here with you this morning. A couple of years ago at, at Adventure, the church you just saw, uh, a friend of ours named Andrew McCourt, uh, who is from Ireland, uh, joined our team. He was, he was uh, the smartest man in the room when he came to visit us, and we just said, hey, can you come can you come pastor with us and our, and our team at Bayside because we need some help. And uh, I, think we, I think you could do that. And so he came over and he, he, he sat with us uh, about a month before St. Patrick's Day. I think it may have been 2017 or 2018. And he said, I, I have a dream. I have a dream that the churches here in America would begin to have a heart for the churches in Ireland and that we had, could have a partnership and we could help each other and serve each other. And as he was talking, uh, just God just lit a fire in my heart and I just said, I'm so, I'm so stinking excited about this. I just want to help you however I can. And God honestly just, just broke our heart uh, for what Andrew was doing and just, there was just this excitement in us to say, we want to help in any way we can. And so a couple of months ago, uh, that same guy, Andrew, called and said, hey, would you want to come over to Ireland with me and meet a couple of my friends, uh, Andy and Victoria, and their, 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 their really, really good-looking brother, John? And uh, I said, yes, I said, yes, we want to we do that. And so, um, so we're here um, j- simply because we love what God is doing in Ireland, and we want to be the kind of people that have churches that are brother and sister churches with us that are doing, that have the same heart that we have. And when I got, I got to meet Pastor Andy and Pastor Victoria, we, Sarah, my wife Sarah and I were just like, we love these guys, we wanna, we wanna be just like them when we grow up. So we wanna be around them and, and we, wanna, we, wanna get, we wanna get to know them. And so that's what God has done in us. That's why we're here. Uh, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of my story in a second. Is that okay if I just tell you a little bit of my story? Um, I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute and, and you'll, you'll find out when you hear my story. I, I don't know much except that I love Jesus, and, and I, um, I just want to bring you maybe some encouragement this morning. But before I do that, uh, my wife uh, is, is I, I say this all the time, if God's grace was a person, it would be Sarah Vance, and she, she, uh, her family is Norwegian, uh, so she, she comes from a Scandinavian, blonde-haired, blue-eyed family. Uh, my family, we don't know what my side of the family was. There, there's no trace in my family tree back to anything. We, we think we were something, but we, we're not sure. We can't tell. So uh, my, my, my wife's Norwegian. We have two boys, uh, Owen and Wyatt. They're teenagers. They're blonde-haired, blue-eyed, just like their mom. Praise God. They didn't turn out like dad. And uh, uh, so she is God's grace in a person to me in my life, and she has has been so gracious. She, so I say all that to say, so her family traveled a whole lot. My family didn't travel at all. I didn't get out of the United States until I married Sarah. That was the first time I ever left the United States. We're from Oklahoma. If you don't know where Oklahoma is in America, it's right in the middle. So we have as much land around us as you could possibly have separating us from the oceans in Canada and Mexico. We're just stuck right in the middle. And that's about where I stayed until I met Sarah. And so when I said I was going to Ireland, she said, honey, I need to go with you. You will not be okay on your own. So she's here with me. So would you give her a round of applause and say thanks for being with me? Okay. Um, 
So let me tell you just a little bit of my story. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family, uh, which in Oklahoma is kind of like saying you breathe air. Everybody in Oklahoma is Christian. Uh, everybody goes to church at least, and everybody says they love Jesus. You know anybody like that? They, they're religious, but they don't really maybe have a heart changed by Jesus. That's kind of how I grew up. And um, my, my parents were uh, saved very young. Uh, in well, the Jesus movement uh, in the 1970s in America. I don't know if you had a Jesus movement here, and the, the, the hippies got saved in, in America, and my that was my parents. My parents were Rocky Mountain, Colorado, um, praise God, weed-smoking Christians for Jesus, right? They were, they were still figuring some things out, all right? But they got saved, they fell in love with Jesus, and Jesus began to change their life. My first church experience was sitting around in a circle, uh, you know, legs crossed with acoustic guitars, bell-bottom jeans, and, and big, long hair, and uh, lots of bandanas and stuff, and we just sang songs to Jesus, and I, I, I got saved as a five-year-old in a church like that, sitting around in a circle singing songs to Jesus, and I, I didn't know much about God, I just knew that I loved Jesus. Well, as my family grew up, as I grew up, I have four sisters, and as our family grew, my parents really struggled with their relationship with each other and their relationship with Jesus. They didn't really know how to follow Jesus and make a, a bunch of really wise choices. And so what ended up happening was their marriage fell apart, they got divorced, and as my family was sort of fracturing and our, our, our family was falling apart, I really started to question whether or not the Jesus thing was real. Because if the Jesus thing was real, why was my family, why was my family hurting? Why, why were my parents walking? These people that said they loved Jesus, obviously if, if Jesus made such a difference, why, would, why was my family hurting? And so I walked away from my relationship with God for a while. As a teenager, anybody have those teenage years where you kind of go, I just, I, I, I kind of want to do my own thing? That was me. And I walked away from Jesus and, and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to figure out life on my own. I'm, uh, you know, I, I had a real hard heart toward my parents, a real hard heart toward people. And uh, I was dating a girl at the time uh, who said she wanted to go to church. And so I, I knew this church because I had grown up in this church. She said, I want to go to that church. I said, that's the church I grew up in. And there was one small problem. I knew there were a lot of cute boys at that church. And when she said she wanted to go to that church, I said, you're not going without me. And so I went to that church service with her. And as I sat in that church service, there was an evangelist that came to that church service. And he, he asked for all the teenagers to come down and sit around the front and up the aisles. And as he called everybody down, this, this girl that I was with, she, she, she said, I'm going to go up and I'm going to sit in that aisle. And I said, you're not going down there without me because I saw a bunch of cute boys get up. And I said, okay, so I'm going to go sit with you. It was the last thing, hear me, it was the last thing I wanted to do. I was a tough teenage guy. I was, I was a stud. I was an athlete. I was an alpha male. I'm not going to go sit on the floor. But I went and I did it. And as that evangelist was preaching, Jesus got a hold of my heart. Do you remember that time in your life? Jesus got a hold of your heart, and you just knew something has to change. I'm, I'm not okay with God, and I need to give my heart to him. And as I did that, uh, I, I started a whole new journey. And the reason I tell you that is because I, I just want to talk to you about the first step of what was my journey. And what I've learned is that what happened in that first step of my journey is really what God has done in every step of my journey. And maybe this will be an encouragement to you today with what God is asking you to do right now. The step that he has for you to take right now in your life, maybe with your family, maybe with following him, maybe with serving him, maybe with your, your kids, and God's doing something in your heart, and, and you know he's talking to you. Here's, here's what I discovered. 
that following Jesus was a little bit of a mystery. I didn't know what was coming next, and so I remember um, going home, and the, the, the person that I knew that loved Jesus the most was my grandmother. Anybody have a, a grandmother that loves Jesus? I had a grandma that loved Jesus. She's the sweet, her name was Imogene. Imogene loved Jesus, and she was the sweetest lady, and uh, I went to talk to her, and I just said, I said, Grandma, I know, I know that God's doing something in my heart, but I don't know how to do it all. I knew that he was talking to me. This girl that I had gone to church with really wasn't following Jesus. And I had made this massive decision to follow Jesus, and she wasn't, and my friends weren't following Jesus, and I didn't know how to move forward. And she just said this. She just said these words. Now, these are the words that I, I wanted to share with you this morning. She just put her, her, she was really small, really small lady, and she wore these big cardigan knit sweaters. She had this, she had this red, anybody know Mr. Rogers? You guys ever, you know Mr. Rogers over in Ireland? Okay, Mr. Rogers over in, in America was a guy that had a TV show, and when he came home every day, he would put on a sweater. He'd take off his suit, and he'd put on his sweater, and he'd sit down, and he'd, he'd talk to kids. It was a kid's show. My grandmother had a sweater that she would put on when she came home, and it was her house sweater. Anybody have a house sweater? It's broken in. It's your house clothes. It's like your cozy. If you have a pair of stretchy pants you put on when you get home, it's like, that, that, that's my cozy clothes, right? This was my grandmother. She had a red, big red sweater that she would put on when she came home. And she, I remember her wearing this big red sweater, and she put her little arms around me, and she said, she said, oh, Ethan, God has so much for you, but you just have to start with yes. You just have to start with yes. Here's what I've learned about following Jesus is that very often the whole picture of what God wants to do in our life, what God wants to do in Hills Church, what God wants to do in your family, very often the whole picture of it can be foggy. We don't have all the details. We don't know how everything is going to work out. And so when we don't know how everything is going to work out, we often don't do anything because we're not sure. Anybody like that? You go, I just can't do, I can't start taking steps if I don't know how this is going to work out. And that's how I felt. But I learned something, and she pointed me to a story in the Bible that I just want to read a little bit of to you. It's a story of a guy named Samuel. You know Samuel from the Bible? Samuel was a prophet who did amazing things for God, but his story doesn't start with him being this amazing man of God. It starts with him as a little boy, and Samuel was a, a miracle little boy. His mother had prayed for a, a child, and God gave, God gave her Samuel, and she dedicated Samuel to God, and Samuel would live his life in the temple serving God with the, the high priest whose name was Eli. He lived in this temple, and God wanted to do some things in Samuel's life, but Samuel didn't know how it was going to work out. And as a little boy, God started talking to Samuel at night. Samuel was asleep, and God started talking to him because God needed a relationship with Samuel. And here's one of the principles that we learned from Samuel's story. Even though Samuel's mom loved God and had a relationship with God, that didn't translate automatically to Samuel. Samuel had to develop his own relationship with God. A relationship with God doesn't automatically transfer to the next generation. We have to help each generation find a relationship with God that is their own. That's why Hill's kids matter so much. That's why our teenagers matter so much. That's why the young people in our church matter so much. Because we have to help them develop a relationship with God that's their own. And so Samuel starts hearing this voice at night while he's dreaming. You hear a voice at night while you're dreaming. It's usually a very weird thing. Like maybe you had some bad pizza the night before. It's like, I don't know about this, this, this kid. So he gets up and he goes to Eli, who's his, 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 his boss, his mentor, and he goes, Eli, I'm hearing this voice when I'm sleeping. Did you call me? And Eli goes, no, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. And this happens three times. The third time this happens, Eli realizes what's going on. He says, oh, oh, Samuel, come in here. And this is what he says. 
The Lord called to Samuel, and, and this is 1 Samuel 3, chapter 8, if you're making notes or you want to follow along, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 8, says this, the Lord called to Samuel yet again a third time, so he got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, did you call for me? Eli, Samuel's doing the very thing that I did, the only thing I knew to do, to go to somebody that knows God and say, what, what's going on in my life? I feel like there's something stirring, but I don't know what to do, and Eli said this. He said, it says that Eli perceived, he, he understood that it was the Lord that called to the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And it shall be, if he calls to you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went down, and he laid in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord spoke to Samuel. And it goes on through the rest of this chapter. And God says some amazing things to Samuel, tells him all these things that are going to happen in his life. But it didn't start until Samuel said yes. Almost always the things that God wants to do in your life next are right on the other side of you saying yes to God. Often we fight and we feel like we, we don't know how everything's going to work out, so we kick against the, the prodding and the direction and the leading that God puts in our heart. We feel like, I can't, do, I can't do everything until I know everything. But the truth is, with following God, we have to start with the next thing that God tells us to do before we reach everything that God has laid in our hearts and everything that God has planned for us. Amen? When I, let me tell you a story kind of to illustrate this. When I was when I first got married uh, to my lovely wife, her father is a marine biologist, and so he teaches marine biology, and every year he takes a, uh, a group of students scuba diving. And so to marry in, so Sarah has, has four girls in her family. To marry into the Korstad family, that's, their, that's Sarah's maiden name, uh, to marry into the Korstad family, you have to get certified to scuba dive. It's not negotiable. When you go ask Dr. Korstad if you can marry one of his daughters, he says, absolutely, you have to get certified to scuba dive. It's like his test to find out how responsible you really are. If you can handle air tanks on your back and survive underwater, you can probably take care of my daughter. So I got certified to scuba dive, and, and uh, we, we went down to Cozumel, Mexico on, on our first scuba diving trip. And uh, we, we, we get in the water, we have all the air tanks on, we're, we're going under, underwater, and uh, when, you're, when you're scuba diving, they give you, anybody, anybody scuba dive, I don't know if you have any, any certified divers in here, uh, it's the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. You're wearing a pack of combustible air on your back, and you're way underwater, and it's just the freakiest thing in the world. My wife, on the other hand, is just super calm super chill. So they give you a, uh, like, a, like a watch that, 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 that is a meter for how much air you have left. Yes, it's like, like this is how long you can survive under here before you die. So they give you this, you put it on your wrist, and you're watching it. Here, and so you're diving in a group, and the entire group has to, has to come back up when one person runs out of air. So the person that, that, that breathes their air the fastest is how long you can stay underwater. And my wife doesn't breathe any air. It's like her, her meter, every time we dive, her meter never moves. It's just like, how are you so calm? Me on the other end, I'm sucking it down like a, like a, like a, a bottle of water after a workout. It's just like, <laughs> I'm just nervous, y'all. I'm just very nervous. And so we get under the water, and I'm nervous anyway, okay? We get under the water. And there's a guide with us. Uh, uh, he's a Mexican guide named Emilio, awesome guy. He's taking us around and he's showing us everything under the water. And he takes us to this uh, one, it's like a table rock. It's a big flat rock that's laying on top of another rock and it's created like a reef. 
there's all these beautiful fish around it, and he's just, he's just shown us some beautiful stuff, and he's shown us around, he's telling us, look, and he takes us down under the water, and there's this, this shadowy place underneath this rock, and he just, you can't talk underwater, right? You Like, this is impossible. So he goes, he goes like this, he goes, look, look under here. And so we kind of do your scuba diving swim thing, and you go under here, and you look under the rock. And Pastor Andy, about from me to you, it takes a second for my eyes to adjust. Staring back is, is like an eight-foot-long shark. A shark. Nothing between us. This is not an aquarium. There's no glass between us. There's nothing to protect me from this shark. Now, I don't, know, I don't know anything about sharks. Our guide knows everything about sharks. Our guide would not have put us in a position to be eaten by this shark, but I don't know that. I don't know anything. I don't know the bio. I don't know. I, I'm, I, 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 all I know is this is a shark, and every time I've seen a movie, Jaws or any other movie, the sharks eat the people. This is how it works. <laughs> when you go into your kitchen... Everything in your kitchen you eat, yes? It's like if, 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 if a fish is in my kitchen, what am I going to do to that fish? I'm going to eat it. I'm going to chop it up. I'm going to fry it up. I'm going to put it in the oven. I'm going to eat the fish. I'm now in the shark's kitchen. What do you think I feel like? I feel like the tables have been reversed. I'm, 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 now, I'm now the appetizer. I'm sushi, right? And I just know this thing is looking at me thinking, thank you, Emilio. This, this, one, this one may be a little skinny. Could have fattened him up a little first, but all right. So, so I'm looking at the shark, and so, so I did the only thing I knew to do. I, I, I think I got to get away. I, I thought maybe it was a mistake. Uh, so my instinct, I, I turn around, and I start to, sw- to swim away, and I start to swim up. Now, here's the problem. I want to get to the surface as fast as possible. If you know anything about scuba diving, that's a massive problem because I've now filled my body with air and as th- that's under pressure, and if I surface too fast, uh, I'm going to get what's called the bends, which is all this oxygen now expanding, and it's, it's going to cause serious problems for me and could potentially kill me, okay? So this is not good. I'm going to die from the shark or I'm going to die on the surface. And so our, our guide, Emilio, he, he grabs me, and he pulls me back down, and he takes me. Instead of taking me up, he takes me down, and he brings me to the bottom, to, to the floor, and he just, he has me kneel down on the floor, and then he just puts his hand on my chest, and he just goes like this. He says, breathe, just breathe. And here's one of the lessons that I learned in that moment about following somebody that knows more than you. Very often, our instincts, when we're following God, will lead us to make a reaction, a a decision based on fear or based on our circumstances or based on the greatest pressure that we're facing. But when we follow God, you don't just have a good guide. You don't just have a, a smart Mexican scuba diving guide. You have the best guide in the entire universe. The creator of the world is guiding you. And so when he lays something on your heart, when he's asking you to do something, so even if it feels like it's opposite of what you want to do, you can trust that it's for your best. Often God will lead us to do something that doesn't feel natural. He'll lead us to forgive when we want to hold a grudge. I want to go this way, God. But he asks us, he says, I want you to go this way. But the reason we often don't go God's way is because we don't understand God's outcomes. But if we'll just start with yes and just say, God, I don't know how that's going to work out. Why, why would God ask us to give, to start a church? Like, like, why, like, like it, wouldn't it be better, God, if I hold on to my money and I just said, oh, no, no, it's all mine. I'm going to save this and I'm not going to give any of it away. Why? Why does God, because God understands how he made the world. And when Jesus shows up, he teaches, he starts teaching his disciples that everything in God's world is almost always opposite from how we would do things. It's almost always, we look at it as upside down, but it's actually, the Bible teaches us that God's world is actually right side up. 
And every time we say yes to God, we're turning a little bit of our world right side up. And Jesus says, the last shall be first. The greatest among you will be your servant. How does that work? It's because when our yes, the simplest little thing, is given into the hands of a God who runs the universe, what ends up happening is he multiplies it into something it would never be if we hung on to it for ourselves. So here's, the, here's just the encouragement I wanted to give you. Just like, my, just like my sweet grandmother coming and putting her arms around my shoulder, here's what I bet. This is what I've learned following God. That this first step that I took in following God would become the pattern for every other thing that God wanted to do in my life. When we moved from Oklahoma to California to serve with Bayside, I didn't know how it was going to work out. What did it start with? God, this is what, I, I, this is what you're doing in my, in my heart. I'm going to say yes. And so in our family, Sarah and I have developed a kind of a, just a, a way of saying this out of this life experience for us is we just, here's our prayer. Our prayer is just this, God, our answer is yes before you ever ask. Our answer is yes before you ever ask. And I bet the same thing is true for you that we've learned. I almost always know what God is asking me to do. And if, if I'm honest, I know what the thing is he's put on my heart that's next. I don't know all of it but I know what the next thing is, and here's why this matters so much to me. Our world has never been more uncertain than it is right now. Everything is getting turned upside down and shaken, uh, uh, politically, racially, uh, economically, emotionally. Everything is getting shaken like a snow globe, and it's all stirred up, and here's the beautiful thing. Everybody else in the world is looking around going, we, how are things going to work out? And we're so frustrated, and we're so angry at each other, and we're so worried, and God is saying, oh, Son, daughter, just start with yes. I've got it all figured out. I know how this is going to work, and I'm going to give you just a next step. How brilliant is it of God that he would give us this way of following him like a good shepherd that says, oh, I'm going to lead you to still waters. I'm going to lead you to green pastures. I'm going to restore your soul, but it's just going to happen if you'll just say yes to this. And that yes is just that little, I have a friend that says it this way, it's just a nudge from above. Isn't that a great way of saying it? You just have that nudge from above and you just know that's what I'm supposed to do. And in my life, sometimes it's been just telling Sarah, Sarah, I was I was kind of harsh today, and I don't want to say I'm sorry. I don't want to ask you to forgive me, but I know that's my next yes, and Sarah, I'm, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's just having a conversation with my boys. Sometimes it's giving something away. Sometimes it's changing a job. Sometimes it's sending a text message to somebody. Just that, that, that thing stirring in your heart. And, you know, and so here's my, my encouragement for you today, and I just want just to leave this thought with you as I close. When God's people are willing to say yes, just to that next thing, slowly that path in front of you starts. The Proverbs 4 says it this way. It's one of my favorite life verses. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter until the perfect day. The path of the person that follows Jesus gets a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter as we're willing to say yes. This is what Samuel found out. A little boy who would change the world, the boy who would end up being the prophet who would anoint David as king. His entire journey, two books of the Bible are from this guy, one of the most amazing leaders in God's kingdom. But all of that came, all of it was hanging in the balance. Would he just say yes to God as that little boy lying in bed listening to the voice of God? And here's what I found. If I'll say yes to God quickly, his voice gets louder. He's easier to follow. 
the Holy Spirit in us becomes this guide that helps us understand how God works and what he wants to do next. And I believe this with all my heart. The next thing for Hills Church is right on the other side of you saying yes. The next thing for your family is right on the other side of you saying yes. And if God leads, this is the thing I love, the promise that Jesus gave us. So this is so reassuring to me. How do I know it's God talking? John, said, John wrote this that Jesus said. He said, oh, you're, you're my sheep. I'm your shepherd. My spirit lives in you. You will know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Like you know your spouse's voice. Like you know your kid's voice. Like your kids know your voice. The voice of a stranger I don't hear, I don't follow. So I'd love to do this today. I'd love to just pray over you. And I'd love to just pray that God would make the next thing so clear to you that you can say yes. And that he would give you that boldness to say yes to the next thing for you. Because when we say yes, God does amazing things. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you today for the opportunity we have to sit in this place. Just this holy moment, this part of our week that's set aside just special for you. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? As we go through our week, would you talk to us? And we just make a decision as we sit in these seats this morning. God, our good shepherd, our heavenly father, our guide, when you, when you speak and when you ask, the answer is yes. We are your people. We will follow you. May we be a people that start with yes. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Hey, thanks again for checking out the Hills Church podcast. Hey, if this message has inspired or encouraged you in any way, why don't you share it with a friend? Hi, as well as that, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Waterside Theatre, and we'd love to see you at one of our services. Hey, thanks again for checking out the podcast. Why don't you subscribe to our channel?